Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Uh, So let's get into this week. We're in week three, the final week of the series, You Ask For It. And as we, as we said every week, we just asked several weeks ago, hey, do you have questions about the Bible, about faith, about life, about relationships, about a certain social issue or current event issue, that sort of thing? And we'll just see what Scripture says about that question. Well, that's, that's where the answer is going to come from. So as we get started today, let me ask, how many of you like making lists? Oh, you are going to love today's message. I'm telling you what. And if you like taking notes in church... You know, just work your hand. It might get cramped because we got a lot we're going to write down today, okay? Uh, now, not to scare you, we do have two questions that we're going to look at today. And once I'm done with the first one, you're going to be like, oh my goodness, what time is it? But the second question is going to be super easy and quick because it sort of piggybacks off the first. Uh, and I am going to break a record for the most sub points ever in a sermon, I think. Again, don't be alarmed. We're not going to be here forever. Uh, it's going to be great. We're going to kind of cover sort of a broad topic uh, we're going to just attack it like lightning quick, like a viper, okay? We're just going to go after this thing. So uh, here's the, the first question that we're going to look at and spend, again, 95% of our time on today. question is this. What frequency should we pray and or read the Bible? What frequency, how often should we pray and or read the Bible? It seems like a pretty simple question, and there is a scripture that tells us we're going we're gonna to attack them separately, okay? We're going to look at prayer and Bible reading or Bible engagement. We're going to call that separately. We're going to attack this in two ways. So let's look at the idea of prayer first. How often should we pray? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, never stop praying, right? Yikes. So that's a lot. Uh, That seems maybe a little bit overboard. Uh, The idea here is, though, not literally never stop, uh, but it is this idea of consistency in prayer. Uh, The idea that we we need it continually in this way, but it's more of consistency. Because prayer, this idea of prayer, we sometimes make it more difficult than it really is. Prayer is simply communication with God. I mean, that sounds very basic, but that's, that's what it is. So prayer is not a I need this God session exclusively. If you talk to your friends like that and just told them what you needed from them all the time, they're not going to want to talk to you very often, right? They're not going to look forward to you when your phone number comes up on, they're going to decline that phone call, okay? They're not going to answer that email or that text. It's also not just a gripe session. Hey, God, here's what I hate about everything. Here's what's terrible about life. That's not all that prayer is. Again, if you treated your relationships that way with people, it's not going to be a very healthy, beneficial relationship. Prayer is more than that. Prayer is just daily communication. Now, you can tell them what's going on, and you should, and you can tell God how you feel, and you should, but it's also, there's a two-way street that we'll talk about here for just a little bit. And the idea of consistency in prayer is this idea that prayer shouldn't be like catching up with an old high school friend from 20, 30 years ago. It should be like talking to your best friend that you talk to every day. And the more that I talk to them, the more that I want to talk to them. 
the more that I talk to them, the more that I learn about them and learn from them and gain from them in this relationship, and the more I want to engage in that relationship. That's what prayer, that's what this verse is saying. Not never stop praying like, oh my goodness, you took a breath, you inhaled, now you've sinned because you've stopped praying. It's not what it is. And especially if you pray in the car, you can pray with your eyes open. Especially when you're praying in the car, if you're driving, all right, I suggest, highly, highly suggest that you keep your eyes open, especially in those times. But we make prayer difficult, but it's not. So here's what I want to do for the first half of this question is look at five benefits of prayer. Okay, so this is where we're going to write write stuff down. We're going to go through a lot of scripture today in both parts of this. We're going to look at five quick benefits of prayer. So you might say, well, I know I should, but is that, that's not the reason. Because I, because God said so, not a good not a good reason, because I should, that's going to get you feeling guilty really quickly when you don't pray as often as you think you should or feel you should or are told that you should. Here are five scriptural benefits of prayer to help us maybe engage more in the act of communicating with God. Number one, God hears. Pretty amazing thought. First benefit of prayer is God hears. First John five fourteen. we are confident that he hears whenever... We ask for anything that pleases him. God wants to hear from you regularly. He wants that communication line to be open and consistent. He desires that. You don't have to like get attention. Hey, God, over here. God, hey, hey, where'd you go? No, I'm here. You don't have to do that. He's always listening, always waiting, always hoping for that dialogue with us and him to just be there. Okay? He doesn't get distracted. Okay, he doesn't have ADHD. Squirrel! You know, God doesn't do that. And here's the cool thing. He, he does this. The, here's how amazing God is. He does this with everyone at the same time. That's part of his eternal nature. He is not under the constraints of time. That's a creation that he did for our benefit. Okay, he doesn't work under that. He's over and above time and space. So yes, he can hear billions of people talking to him at the same time in different languages all of, all of the time, God desires that. He hears us when we pray. So remember, it's a desire that God has that we pray. He hears us. The second benefit, though, the, the next four, kind of the opposite of that, is that God responds when we pray. The second benefit of prayer specifically in this case is healing. Uh, James 5, 14 and 15, James says this, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith, that's important, will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And here's a bonus. If you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. So God doesn't just hear, but God answers. And God answers in specific ways, the first of which healing is available as we ask for it. God is able. God is greater than any sickness, any disease, any virus. Hey, look at that. We worked the coronavirus in a sermon today, all right? God's greater than that. He's over, he's over and above time and space. I don't think that little, little carpet-looking piece things floating through the air really concern him. Now, they concern us, certainly, but he's not concerned about any of this. He's over and above all that. Healing's available for him. Now, the key phrase there is the prayer offered in faith. That's big. So it's not just, again, going back to the gripe session thing, oh, God, I'm sick. Well, thanks for stating the obvious, you know, what, what can I do about that, okay? That's what God's looking for. He's looking for, for more. Now, it's not that, no, I'm not going to say that, no, never mind, okay. It's not just enough to say, okay, God, I'm sick, God, I'm in pain, God, this is wrong, but it, a prayer offered in faith, but you have to believe through faith that God can heal. 
Now, there are questions, why doesn't he sometimes, or why does it take longer, or why, why do we go in remission? Like, why do things happen? In the, and I, those are, that's above my pay grade. Okay, there's a lot of things that are above my pay grade, but then that's just one of them, okay? Uh, I don't know how, how God works or why God works, but I do know that God heals physically. And then the bonus here that we read is he, he heals the most important sickness that we have, and that's our, our soul, if it's in need of healing or repair, God can handle that too. And that's really the most important thing. It's like your, your body's going to give away at some point forever anyway, but your soul will live on. So that's the thing that God's really concerned about. And you see that in Jesus too when he would heal people. He would also say your sins are forgiven. And the main problem that the religious people had was not so much always the healing, like this guy wasn't walking, now he is. This guy couldn't see, now he can. The issue they had was he forgave sin. He did that because he is God, so he can do that. God heals every area of our lives, every part, body, soul, spirit, all that. The third benefit of prayer as we keep plugging along here is peace. I won't spend a lot of time on this because I'm going to plug. You want to be here next week because my lovely wife is going to be speaking. She's going to actually cover this scripture. So I'm just going to read it, say one quick thing, and move on. You'll want to be here next week to hear more about this, okay? Third benefit of prayer is peace. Paul writes in Philippians 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Like, there are a lot of bumper sticker verses. That should be like the number one bumper sticker verse. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Again, that's part of prayer. Then, after you do this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The only thing I will say about this, because I don't know if Kim's going to say this or not, so I'm sorry if you are. I'm thinking in terms of peace being like a reset button here through prayer. It's like, I'm freaking out, I'm super worried, I'm super frustrated, I'm super, all these emotions that I can't handle, I'm going, and it's just like prayer is just like hitting that reset button. Now I can breathe, now I can think, now I can focus. That's it, we're moving on, I'm done. Okay, number four, uh, the number four benefit of prayer is wisdom. Wisdom comes through prayer. James, again, James 1 verse 5, if you need wisdom, ask, you could put the word pray in there, you know, pray to our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. God gives wisdom through prayer. God can give insight through prayer. God can give guidance through prayer. Wisdom comes through him because God cares about your life. God cares about the decisions that you're faced with. God cares about choices that you have to make and he longs to guide you through that. That can come through this part, this thing called prayer, this communication. And that's where the second half of this communication comes into play. Prayer is not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue. God can and will and wants to speak to us through prayer. That sounds really weird to say that when you just hear those words, God wants to speak to you. That sounds strange on the surface. I understand that, but it's absolutely true. I don't have time to get into it, but this is exactly how I felt a call to ministry was through a time of prayer where I sensed God speaking to me about this life of ministry, okay? There's, again, I won't take the time to do, get into it, but that's, that's what happens. God, sometimes through prayer, you're just more sensitive to certain things when you're not, even not praying at the time, and God will then kind of quicken you like that person needs you to go talk to them, okay? Or there's a need here that I've, 
you can meet. We're going to become more sensitive to the Spirit of God as we spend time with Him through prayer, as we listen for Him to talk back. This dialogue of prayer is amazing. It's wisdom. And again, I'll mention this again in a minute, but the wisdom that we're talking about is sometimes for us, and as we just mentioned, sometimes it's for other people. It's not just I have all wisdom, so I make correct decisions, and I do the right thing, and I take the right step. Sometimes it's that God imparts a spiritual gift of wisdom, okay? Sometimes God's going to speak something to me that's going to help somebody else. And the more in tune I am through prayer to what God's saying, the more wisdom I'm going to have and be able to give to others as well. The fifth benefit and final benefit that we're going to list here, there's probably 20 more I could have done, but we're going to do five. The fifth benefit of prayer today is strength strength. First Chronicles 16, 11, uh, David actually, this is a song that David wrote. And in verse 11, he says, search for the Lord and for his strength, continually seek him. It's kind of like how we started. Pray without ceasing, pray without stopping, continually seek him. Again, David, King David wrote this after there's been a huge victory in a battle. So they've gone against the Philistines who stole the Ark of the Covenant from them, which signifies God's presence. It's one of the most precious relics, I guess, if you want to use that term, in all of ancient Israel. Like, it was in, it was in the tabernacle, and God's presence would come down and hover over the top of this box, and it was stolen. So they went and they, you know, beat some dudes down and got it back. And when they come back, David writes this song of praise. And he says, we searched for the Lord and he gave us strength. He physically gave them strength for this victory. You do the same thing for you. If you're kind of wearing out, you're tiring out, I mean, you could reach for that caffeinated beverage if you want. Maybe you can try prayer and it may have the same effect for you. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV, but I'm just saying maybe that would be helpful. It can, God can literally, if you need strength for something in your life, prayer can maybe be an option. Just lean out there. There's a second thing about this strength, too, that I think is fascinating that Jesus shares uh, about strength. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus says this, Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He and his disciples are praying right before he's going to be handed over to be crucified. His disciples fall asleep while praying. I'm not going to ask you if you've ever done that before, okay? Um, but if you're like me, you probably have. So they're tired. It's late. They've been going for a while, and it's, they just can't do it. He says, no, 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 stay away. He's, a benefit of prayer is the ability to resist temptation. Again, so when you're faced with this moral dilemma at times or this thing that you're not sure, I would just say before you do anything, just push the pause button for a second and maybe ask God what he would want you to do. Or it'll just, again, almost like another sort of reset button. If you're, if you're instead of thinking about what I want to do in this situation, and instead you're thinking, what, what, what would God really want me to do? You're probably not going to fall into temptation as often or as easily as much of the time. It's a huge benefit. Five benefits to prayer. Now let's look at reading the Bible. And we have even more benefits to that. So buckle up. Hope you give your hand just a break for a second. If you're writing these notes or typing notes, just give yourself a, you know, stretch it out, stretch it out. Here we go. So how often should we read the Bible? The answer is pretty similar to the idea of prayer here. Okay, this is Psalm 1, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that, sit, that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. So this person is blessed. 
and who meditates on his law day and night. So the answer to when you read your Bible is day and night, all the time, right? That's, again, the idea here is consistency. The idea here is being in God's word consistently because there are so many benefits. There are like a lot of them. I've distilled them down to seven, okay? We're going to talk about seven benefits of Bible engagement. So what, what I, and these all come from Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is, by the number of verses, the longest uh, chapter in the whole Bible. So there's 176 verses. We're going to cover all of them. No, we're not. Uh, we're just going to look at a few of them this morning. Psalm 119 is all about the Bible or the law, or that's all, that's all it's about. The longest chapter by number of verses in the entire scripture is about scripture. And it tells us many benefits of being engaged in the Bible. We're going to look at seven of them for just a few minutes here uh, this morning. Seven benefits of Bible engagement. Number one, joy. Joy. Psalm 119, verse 92. If your instructions had not sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. Again, the word sustained is this idea of consistency. It's not a last resort. It's not like there's a Bible behind this glass case with a little you know, hammer in case of emergency to break glass. The Bible's not designed to do that. Oh, when, I really, when I'm really in a jam and I'm really in a bind, then I'll see what God wants to say. That's not how it works. That's not, you don't get this benefit of joy consistently if, if that's how we treat Scripture. Another ver- Psalm 119, verse 143, uh, talking about joy, the psalmist says this, As pressure and stress bear down on me, can anybody relate to that? Okay? As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. This is another great life verse. Stress, pressure, it's part of life. You, you can't escape it. However, through that, Scripture can bring joy through those circumstances, through those times where it, you're, the pressure is going to crush you. The stress is too much to handle. The, the psalmist here says, I find joy through your commandments. One more idea about, one more verse about joy, then we'll move on. Uh, I like this one a lot. And this is this is sort of what we talked about a second ago. Joy. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 74. May all who fear you find in me a cause for joy, for I have put my hope in your word. You see what's going on here? Like the wisdom in prayer, the joy is not always and only for me or about me. He says here, may others find me a cause for joy in me because I put hope in your word. So as we allow God to speak to us, which he does that also through scripture, right? Maybe you've experienced that before. When something jumps out to you and you're just reading it, that's how God speaks through scripture. Now, what we're doing right now is another way. Now, I'm not saying that I'm God speaking to you, but I'm saying God's using me to speak for him through scripture, okay? Just want to make that very clear here. I don't need anybody sending me an email or putting a thing on Facebook. My pastor said he was God. You know, that's not what we're doing, okay? So don't get it confused here. It's not what we're saying. We can find joy and be a source of joy as we engage with the Scripture. It, it, the, our joy becomes really contagious in a good way. Okay? No mask wearing required for that kind of uh, joy. All right. The second benefit of Bible engagement is, is a similar one that we saw with prayer. It's wisdom. Verse 24 says, your laws please me. They give me wise advice. Let me just give you uh, this uh, math equation. 
Prayer brings wisdom. Bible reading brings wisdom. Put those things together, mega wisdom, okay? It's like, it just exponentially, it grows on itself. When you, like, you can have a little bit of this there, you can, but, you know, just double it up, baby. Just two scoops of goodness here of wisdom. And we could all use a little bit more of that, I think, in our lives, okay? It's a benefit of both of these. Also down, okay, Psalm 119 verse 26 is maybe, maybe going to become my new favorite Bible verse, Okay, I just love what's implied here, okay? About wisdom, again, it says, I told you my plans, and you answered. Now teach me your decrees. I love, I love what, what I think is implied there. The psalmist says, I told you what I had planned, and you spoke back. And what you said must have been different than what I had planned, because now I want you to teach me what you just were saying. I had plans, I had things I was going to do, I told you about, and you're like, well, well no, no, L- let's do something different than ruining your life there. Like, let's do something bigger and better than what you had planned. Let's go above and beyond your measly little d- things that you have going on. Let's, do, let's charge that thing up with wisdom. So the psalmist says, I told you this, you told me something different, oh, teach me how to do that. Teach me how to do that, your decrees, your your plan, your wisdom, your will. Wisdom is a huge benefit of Bible engagement. The third benefit of engaging in Scripture is a big one. It's encouragement. Encouragement. Verse 28, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. And then verse 50 of Psalm 119, your promise revives me. It comforts me in all my troubles. Could anybody use some encouragement? sometimes maybe even today maybe in a couple like maybe things are great right now but maybe tuesday's gonna roll around and i need encouragement we can find it in the word of god in scripture in the bible it's there it comforts us it comforts us encourages us that's what the bible does the fourth benefit of bible engagement as we keep rolling you, you still with me all right good the fourth benefit of bible engagement is truth And I like this verse, too. I love the first line of this verse. Psalm 119, verse 29. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. Scripture can keep us from getting in our own way. It kind of goes back to that, was it verse 24, where I had plans, I had thoughts, I had ideas, and then you spoke, and I'm like, wait a second. Let's do, so, let's do what you say. I like your plan better, God. I like your will better. It keeps us from lying to ourselves because sometimes, especially when we watch the news, this is going to be helpful. When it comes to social issues, this might be very helpful, this idea here, because we're going to have our own idea of what that means, our own idea of what we think should happen here. But ultimately, if we're followers of Jesus, what should be our guide in life, in, in everything we do, should be what God says. Not what we think, or how we perceive it, or how I read that article, or what I saw between the lines on that news story. No, no, that, that's a great way to lie to yourself many times. But if we, we can engage in culture, yes, we should watch the news and stay informed. Yes, we should not hide under a rock and put our heads in the sand. But It's not about what we think about what's going on or what we think this person should do or what we think the solution should be, but is that grounded in the truth of God's word? That's the litmus test for life. If I'm looking at just everything on on how I see it, on how I perceive it, on what I would do, I'm going to deceive myself quite often. 
I'm going to go down a very personal path very often that may not be exactly, like it may be close to what God says, but I want to be as close as I can get to what God says, what God thinks about something, even if it goes against what I think, okay? He's in charge. So the Bible keeps us centered. It keeps us grounded. It keeps us from going off the edge on some issue or topic or our emotions running crazy. Truth is really the essence. It's the core of what the Bible is and what it does and what it gives to us as a benefit. We're going to look at Numbers uh, 5 and 6 together. I've got one verse for each, and they are separate, but I'm going to combine them to kind of bring home the, the point I'm trying to make here. The fifth benefit of Bible engagement is happiness. Pretty cool. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 35, make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. The sixth benefit is similar, but it's freedom. Happiness and freedom, we're going to combine them to make this ultimate point here for just a second. The sixth benefit of Bible engagement is freedom. Psalm 119, verse 45, I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments. So the reason I'm combining this is because sometimes we resist engaging with the Bible because we think of it as a set of rules or regulations. Or we've seen the word commands here a lot, right? I don't need any more of those. I have plenty. Thank you, God, for that. I don't need any more. Sometimes we resist that because we're like, we think that a lack of boundaries equals freedom. That's not true. Socially, it's just not true. Right? You, you look at, uh, you know, t- typically, now you're going to think of an outlier or a person that you know that, that this didn't happen. I'm saying by a large margin, when you look at households that have boundaries, those children are going to grow up to be more successful than those who just could do whatever they wanted. By and large, by a huge margin, this is true. Okay? Uh, so this is, the Bible is proven to be true. Right? It just is. Boundaries, we don't think of in terms of, oh, I have freedom. No, we think, oh, boundaries, I can't go anywhere, do anything. I have less freedom. That's not true because we're combining freedom with happiness here. I can find these together when I have these boundaries because it says I have to walk along the path of your commands to find happiness. Well, you mean I have to stay on the straight and narrow? Well, yeah, I'm going to be more happy on the straight and narrow than falling off a cliff. Boom, right? You mean I have to have guardrails here, you know, on the road? Yeah, because it's better to stay on the road than when things get out of control, I've fallen to my death. Boundaries can equal freedom and happiness. And a lack of them, as we will, as you'll probably see, maybe sometimes in your life, a lack of boundaries led to chaos in your life. A lack of boundaries in somebody else's life led to ruin in their life. They, they just went over the guardrail of life and they crashed and burned. They didn't try to stay within the confines of what would be acceptable and they've just wrecked themselves. So we see here that even though, yes, the Bible is full of rules and regulations and commands, that as we engage them, as we follow them and stay within those, we can find happiness and freedom. We thrive in structure. It's just how God made us to be, and his, his word is the same way. Here's the seventh and final benefit of Bible engagement, and then we'll get to the second question for just a couple of minutes. The seventh benefit of Bible engagement from Psalm 119 is hope. Hope. Verse 81, I am worn out. Anybody ever been there before? I am worn out waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. If you are worn out, If you're in need of hope, you can find it in God's word. And then Psalm 119, verse 114, the final verse we'll look at in this question this morning. 
You are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. There are a lot of verses. I almost added an eighth one about protection, and you could. There are a lot of verses in this psalm talking about protection from my enemies through your word because it brings truth, because of the boundaries, because of the hope and the happiness and the freedom, right? We find, we find truth in this so we can resist the outer attacks, okay? So we see that here. It says, my your word is the source of my hope. So when everything around me is trying to suck the hope out of me, your word instills it back in. When everyone around me is just so negative and argumentative and they're just so terrible and I just am, have no hope, where can I go? Your word is my source of hope. It's, it's incredible the benefits that are here, not only through Bible engagement, but as we already talked about, through prayer. So let's go back to the question for just a second. How often should I engage in the Bible? How often should I pray? Let me answer it in as snarky a way as I can, okay? How much hope do you want? How much peace do you want? How much joy do you want? How much wisdom do you want? Whatever level you want of those things, that's how often you should engage in prayer and in the Bible. Because you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. So if it is this little hammer, the thing, and I read it very occasionally, you know, I, got, I was reorganizing the bookshelf every spring. Oh, I have a Bible. Oh, I have six Bibles. Well, I, maybe I should read that. Probably could, you probably could gain some more wisdom if we engage in it more. If we just pray to God when we're really in a jam and we want him to rescue us all the time, there's way more to prayer than that. There's way more to this conversation than that. And so however much hope and joy and peace, wisdom that we want is how often we should engage in that. That's why we meditate on his law day and night. That's why we pray without ceasing as we can have these benefits continually as we engage with God continually. One more thought I have to share before we move on quickly is the, the, one of the, I don't know, th- the uh, negative side effects of this topic is guilt. Let me cover that just for a second. I remember when I was growing up, there was a, a, a traveling evangelist that came to our church. His whole ministry was predicated on praying an hour a day. Like that was his shtick. That was his thing. That was all he talked about. You got to pray an hour a day, pray an hour a day, pray an hour a day. And I'm like 11, 12 years old. And I'm thinking, oh, I should pray an hour a day, right? I, need, I feel like I need to do that because he said I should, you know. There's no magic formula to this, okay? There's not a time limit here. There's not like, a, oh, you have to be 60 minutes or God didn't hear you. You know, if you didn't hear the, you know, the timer go off, you haven't, you, you're not done yet. You're still, you know, mushy inside. You have to keep going, you know. Uh, that's not how it works, so don't, don't give in to the guilt thing. Oh, I, only, I didn't read six chapters of the Bible today. Man, God's going to hate me. Oh, I only prayed on my way to work. I didn't like, get up 40 minutes early. and Because like, here's what happens. We make these goals. I'm gonna, we make these lofty goals. I'm going to pray 60 minutes in the morning. I'm going to read six chapters in the afternoon. I'm going to pray 60 minutes a night. If you feel that God wants you to do that and you want to do that, do that. Okay? But there's no, requi- there's no verse that says, thou must pray this long, or thou must read this much. It's about quality over quantity. So please, yes, engage more. Yes, pray more. Yes, read more. Absolutely, for the benefits that we're talking here, okay? But don't do it out of, I have to, because I feel guilty if I don't. Because that's going to last about two days. You know, like when you may, I'm going to get up two hours early to go to the gym every day. I've done that before. You do it for two days, and then you're done. And then you, you know, I'm um, just a, you know, nasty slob eating chips on the couch, and I'm so depressed. Well, just don't do it. Don't give into the guilt trap. Don't do it. Just engage more, but don't, don't do the guilt thing. It doesn't work, okay? 
It's supposed to be a benefit, not a guilt trip, you know? The Bible and prayer is not your mother. and not supposed to make you feel guilty, okay? No offense to any moms in here. And mom, if you're watching, I love you. Okay, uh, question number two we're going to cover pretty quickly. It's related, but the question is a more specific thing. The second question we're going to look at for just a second is, can Bible study be replaced with podcasts? Uh, quick answer, no. Let me see what the Bible says about that, though, real quick. Acts 17, verses 10 and 11. Again, I promise this will be really quick, short, and sweet to underline what we've already talked about. Acts 17, 10 and 11. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. That's a city. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue, and the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, another city they'd just been to, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. Here's the key. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. The answer is nothing should replace you personally engaging with the actual Bible. There are many things. Well, I'll give you a couple of resources in a second. And the Bible app, I'll just that if you're using right now, is a good resource to use to read the Bible all the time. There, there's, you know, prayer plan or Bible reading plans. There's devotionals. It's a great resource. Use it. And it's the, it's the Bible. It's on your phone. Yes, but it's the actual Bible. You know, it's really there. So you can use that. But nothing should replace you actually engaging with the Bible for yourself. And this is why. This is the example of that. What we're doing right now should not be your only engagement in the Bible. So what, what we see here is that instead, if you want to follow the people in Berea, what you should do is go home and make sure I'm not lying to you. Now, I'm not, but how do you know? You know, like, you don't know if I am or not. I could have just made up, and there's only 118 Psalms, and I just talked about Psalm 119 for 20 minutes, okay? Now, there is a Psalm 119, but the idea here is that they're looking for themselves. So you can fact check me, bro. You can do it. I'm not offended. And if you come to me and say, you know what, I read this, and actually I did have somebody last year, some I preached, they had some questions, and they used scripture, and I was like, that's a good point, let me explain, and it was great. That's how it should work, okay? So here's the thing, no TV preacher, you, they should not be your only engagement with the Bible, okay? There's a joke I would say, but I'm not going to say it there. Okay, uh, so no other resource or book about the Bible, and I read a lot of books about the Bible all the time, it cannot replace my engagement with the actual Bible, can't do it. It doesn't work. Um, I think that covered that. So podcasts are the same way. They should be a supplement to your engagement with the Bible. They should enhance what you're reading or what you're, what you're looking at there in the Bible. Let me give you two quick resources though, that I would recommend um, very quickly. These are podcasts specifically. The first one's called the Bible Recap. This is awesome for two reasons. One, it gives you a daily Bible reading list. And I think the, the idea here is either to read through the Bible in one year or two years. I can't remember which one. But so it'll tell you, hey, read these three chapters today and then listen to the, it's a daily podcast, literally six, seven, eight minutes long that gives kind of the highlights of what you just read. Now, this is a great example of a resource that enhances what you read but shouldn't replace what you read. Because what you're probably going to find is when you read three or four chapters of something, one certain thing is going to jump out to you is really important, and they may not talk about it on the recap. So what God wants, to, wants you to see, they may not have you know, put on their short little recap. And that's, you, you need that. Not just the information they give, but what God wants to say to you. So that's a great uh, resource for you as well. The second one is called the Bible Project. Now, this one is different because it is way deeper 
the, the episodes are way, like we're talking like an hour-long episode here, and they're not about Bible reading specifically. They're about topics in the Bible or sections of the Bible or the history of the Bible. There's all sorts of different topics that they cover, and they get into some deep stuff, like cultural stuff, like biblical language type stuff, but it's accessible. Um, you don't have to have a seminary degree to understand what they're saying, but it's, it's a little bit deeper. So if you're looking for something to go deeper, I'd recommend that one. Let me just say this. With any resource, any person, any book, any podcast, you just have to know that they're, they're not the Bible. They're not infallible. They're not perfect. Sometimes they do have an agenda. Sometimes they do have, you know, a, a lean a certain way for a certain uh, reason. So you just have to know that going into it. And what I always try to recommend is with any resource besides the Bible, you chew on the meat and spit out the bones. There's going to be something good in there, some things that are great. You're like, mm, like I even, I read a, I've been reading, I'm going to tell you how, how nerdy I am. I've been reading um, uh, John Calvin's sermons on the book of Ephesians. Okay. I'm a nerd. So I, I was reading a sermon the other day. I was like, I don't, I don't agree with half of what he's just saying right here. This is John Calvin, right? And we have some disagreements on our beliefs, minor things. I'm like, I don't believe this. It's okay. I don't, I'm not going to kick John Calvin out. Like, he's way better than me. He knows way more than me. You know, like, he's more holy than I am. Right? So but that's going to happen with any resource other than the actual book that God wrote. Okay? There's going to be things in there that you're just, mm, that's okay. That's okay. We're, we're going to learn. We're going to grow closer to God and, and, and stronger in our faith, okay? Well, I'm sure they would. I mean, yeah. It was, a pretty big, it was a pretty big difference, and I wasn't super surprised, but I was like, wow, I really, like, it's in black and white here. I really, but that's just how it is. That's okay. It's all right. That's with any resource other than the actual book that God wrote. Everything in there is true and should be believed, all of it, uh, but everything else is just up for debate, okay? So I want, I want us to grow in our faith. I want us to grow closer to God. I want us to learn more, not just so we can have knowledge, but so we can have wisdom, joy, peace, all these types of things that we have been talking about. And that only comes through this time with him in prayer and in his word. And I think that as we do that, we'll see, wow, I, I see things more clearly. I, I, I have more peace, more joy, more happiness. I, I have more clarity. That's what we're talking about. That's the idea of engaging in this time with God.